Oh, very warm welcome, folks, and what a weekend it was of Major League Rugby action. Dan Power here with you for MLR Kickoff, joined, as always, by the Professor Pete Steinberg. And Pete, uh, Super Saturday kicked off again. All these games on Saturday, one game on Sunday. We take a breath and digest what was a great weekend of rugby. How did you enjoy it? Well, um, I, I I got to watch um, bits and pieces. Like the whole day Saturday thing is, is sort of tough, but able to watch a half here, 20, 30 minutes there. So I, I liked it. I liked having rugby on um, all day on Saturday. Spent Fortunately, the Sunday game was during Elliot's um, during uh, Elliot's uh, nap, so I was able to watch most of that game. So that was uh, that was really great. Uh, but I, I I love it, Dan. I think the first time ever in MLR history that all away teams won. Yeah, crazy. What do you think that means. Uh, I mean, I think it means that the teams that weren't playing at home won every game that they played in this weekend. <laughs> But, I mean, is it home field advantage isn't as big as it used to be? Maybe. Because well, it used to be home field is... First is, time it's ever happened, yeah. it's probably an outlier. If it happens again next weekend, then we can start talking about some consistency. All right. Well, I, I mean, if, if you look at it and, and you go through the results, and I know we're going to do a deep dive, but you would say um, New York against Toronto, Toronto winning away from home would be an upset, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Houston Sabercats winning at Utah. Is that an upset for you? Yeah, I'll call that an upset. Yep. Um, the Giltinis um, winning at Seattle. Is that an upset? No, I don't feel so. No, it's probably not, right? Um, Nola Gold beating Old Glory. Upset? No, not this year. No. New England beating Rugby ATL. Not an upset, but uh, I think New England definitely the best team in the East right now. So not an upset, but could have gone either way there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it ended up 41-27, but it was a much closer game than, than that. I mean, New England scored a couple of points right at the end. And so, yeah, so, so, so you look at that and you're just like, I think when, when teams that shouldn't win win away, you say it's an upset. So that's probably like Toronto and Houston, right? Um, those would be two that you say the upsets, the, the others weren't. So maybe it was just a, um, a trick of the schedule. But a really, really interesting weekend with a lot of really interesting games. Yeah, it was. Which, uh, which was your most interesting? Which one do you want to kind of jump into here for your, uh, your review? Well, I want to, I want to jump into New York, Toronto. Um, and, Thanks and for and asking what it was too, by the way. I, I love this I'll, show. I'll, the one-way street of MLR kickoff. <laughs> How was your weekend, Dan? Did, were you able to watch any of the games? Yeah, it was good. Moving right along. No. I, <laughs> I was in Florida, and everyone's going to be like, oh, lucky you. I was in Florida for work, and I did get a little, like, you know, you're down in Florida. It's so warm and sunny. But I, I spent, I would say, 80% of my time there inside working. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I did, I did treat myself oh. to a nice dinner Saturday evening. Uh, shout out shout out to the ownership down at Coconuts in Fort Lauderdale. They took really good care of us, and... If you ever want to feel broke, like really insignificantly broke, <laughs> go to Coconuts, sit on the back deck and watch the mega yachts coming. The, the, the marinas there, that a lot of the mega yachts that come in and there's right. another one down. So there was some coming past and they're like, well, that's uh, Steven Spielberg's yacht. And if you want to feel even more broke, ask them how much Steven Spielberg paid for his yacht and then they'll tell you and you'll cry. Um, <laughs> it was good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think in in uh, in my future is is a, a yacht that I'm on like a month a year, right? That, yeah. that that costs tens of millions of dollars. That's just not in my future. But I I do feel you about going to Florida and just spending the whole time inside. Like when you go there for work, you're like, oh, I'm in Florida. It's March, so it's not too hot. It's gonna be really nice outside. And if you're lucky, you get a meal outside. The rest of the time, you're just inside in meetings. So yeah, I did. I did go. I, I heard the news out of Dallas with uh, all the players. So I went for a run to see how I'd pull up before I gave Elaine a call. And so <laughs> this is this is true. I ran six and a half miles. I said I'm going to run to the beach and then I'm going to run back. I didn't realize how far away the beach was, unfortunately. So by the time I got there, the only way for me to get home was to run. I didn't have my wallet. I couldn't get an Uber. Didn't have my phone. So I'm like, I just went just. Ran like ran out of the hotel, I, 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 and then came. Uh, hold back. on, hold on. Did you did you run back or did you fartlek? Like walk mostly, run a little bit. So I'm glad you went right to that because a lot of people that I've spoke to have said the same thing. There's no way you ran six and a half miles, and that is true. It was uh, walk, jog, run. I did some I did some intermittent poles like light pole, the light pole, run, sprint, yep. jog, sprint. Uh, but accumulatively, my watch said six and a half miles. So I will uh, I'll take yeah. that. Yeah, you 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 should take it. Well, let's now we've now we've had the normal power discussion about stuff that's not rugby. Let's get back to the rugby stuff. Is that okay? All right. New York, Toronto. Now I pick New York here at home. Toronto. I don't know if you want to talk. You know, Dallas injured. Toronto is decimated at the moment. Oh it my god! Yeah, there's no way they win this game. Yet in the 76th minute, Andrew Quatrain gets the ball. Takes a little little saunter upfield and busts right through and scores under the post. Seven point try, and they hold on fourteen ten. How did we get to that point, Pete? Well, I mean, you, you look at the stats and you're not sure, right? So if you look at defense, both teams had about the same number of tackles. This is crazy. Um, New York had one hundred and seventy eight, and uh, Toronto had one hundred and seventy six. New York missed fifteen. That's an amazing tackle rate, ninety two percent. Toronto missed 30, 83%. So this was actually a pretty dominant performance, I think, by New York. They had the edge in the scrum. The scrums were really messy, but they had the edge in the scrum for most of it. Um, they had uh, you know, um, 20 general kicks to 19, but um, no kicking errors by Toronto. So you, you know, you'll see a little bit where Toronto just has the edge. Toronto wins three turnovers at the breakdown, um, and New York wins two. Toronto concedes 16 penalties, um, including two in, two in, in more defense. And it's interesting because if you looked at the game, New York, who have been famous throughout the first five, year, five years of MLR for being this amazing team to score from the mall in the lineout, and Toronto was able to defend that. And, and they played the edges really well. Like they got warned by the referee um, a couple of times. Uh, they that they you know they had a, a, a yellow card right um uh, uh, I think they had two yellow cards in the game Chilini there went. was no way so yeah. was that I think Cellini was one of them that got cards yeah up. yeah I'm sure the other um, but it was really to me this is the difference well, Cellini having... and Tafuga there it is there you go voice of God so, so what oh. <laughs> um. But the handling errors of New York was the problem. And I think what we really saw was the difference was, you know, Andy Ellis, world-class scrum half, playing at fly half because of injuries. Sam Windsor just coming back, you know, just – and Sam Malcolm, 
right? Actually one of the best fly halves in the league. And so what you saw is a Toronto team that was just more efficient when they had the opportunities they scored because they have someone that can really run their attack. And Andy Ellis, very smart rugby mind, but not a natural fly half, stands a little bit too deep, not able to bring runners into space. And so throughout the game, Toronto looked like they were a little bit more dangerous. New York had the territory, they had the pressure, but they weren't able to push that into points. Yeah, it it is interesting. I mean, if you would have told me Toronto is going to go into New York, score two tries, yeah, I'm okay with that. I can deal with that. Score two tries and win the game, you know, know, crazy. (laughs) You go into a padded cell. But the attack of New York just, it was the old, like, just couldn't click out of first gear, and and maybe it is the, that you know injury to heighten, and then Windsor coming back from a from an injury probably doesn't look a hundred percent. From being honest, um, yeah, out of necessity is there. Uh, do you, it's interesting. They moved on from like a, a Chris Martina who had great versatility value. He's in Austin now, and you kind of look at the the challenge of being a general manager or a head coach in Major League Rugby of how you balance rosters around creative players because LA is going through it, lost, you know, Renny IE has come out of retirement to play 10. But how do you balance that roster to have creative players beyond one or two? Like New York, two great 10s, Heighton and Windsor, both injured, you know, so. Well, I think, I, I mean, you see it a little bit, like the way to do it is the way New England have done it, right? So Bowden Wacker really came in as a fullback and ended up playing fly half, and when he comes off, they bring on Harrison. But they have two starting fly halves now. And so they, they got someone to play 15, kind of discovered through injury last year that Waka's actually really good with the ball in his hands as a 10, particularly an attacking 10. And they already had Boyle on the book. So there's a little bit about, about how you manage that versatility. Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. And I think, again, we're way off New York, Toronto here, but uh, Bowden Waka was coming back from a really serious knee injury last year. So the former thing this year is like, uh, again, some people are probably like surprised, but I think internally and, and within you know, Bernie Waka's mind, he knew it was coming. So you remember last year, his leg would be just taped up from, you know, groin to yeah. and uh, yeah. <laughs> he's healthy and showing what he can do. All right, let's, uh, let's keep moving on. We talked a little New York, so we're actually going to bring in one of their young stars. It's, uh, it's a kid who's had a really good start to the year. And, and you talked about Andy Ellis, one of the greatest nines, um, not in major league rugby, but probably we've seen in rugby in the last 15 years. Uh, 20 years, sorry, Andy, probably 20 years. But uh, I'm up there too. So uh, this this young fella comes from the area and, you know, came in with pretty high raps in terms of what his potential would have been in major league rugby. Had his foundation year last year and then got the opportunity this year to step into the role and has handled it really well. So I'm excited to bring him in. Uh, fellow New York Athletic Club guy as well, I believe. So it's always always good to have, you, you know, you dread the red when you play for old blue. AC on three. So let's bring him in. Enough mucking around. Connor Buckley, number nine for New York. Joining us now is Scrum Half from Rugby New York, Connor Buckley. Born and raised. There is no more New York than Connor Buckley. Even uh, Frank Sinatra will... will bow down to the king of new york connor thanks for joining us buddy how you doing i'm good man thanks for having me on it's great to have you here uh into your second year professional rugby is it second yeah second yeah how how are you liking things so far uh in mlr 
Uh, I'm loving it. I mean, even just, you know, I've only been in it now for a year and a half, but you know, the, the difference in from, you know, this year to last year is crazy. The competition's already up. Facilities are better. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm loving it. This is, this is going to be, I don't want to do a version of this is your life because you're just way too young for that. Um, we could do probably do that more with me than you, but let's, let's go rewind here. Let's take it back to the start of the rugby journey for you. You come out of the hotbed for American rugby, Xavier High School. Talk mm-hmm. us through your time at Xavier, where the hooks of rugby were sunk in initially and uh, just some of that amazing alumni and that Xavier experience. Yeah, so um, I went to Xavier. Um, I never, um, never planned on playing rugby, to be honest. Uh, I loved baseball and football, so I played football. And part of the football thing at Xavier is that they, the coaches try and get you to play rugby. Um, so, you know, I went and played football. I was wrestling between baseball and rugby for the spring. And um, I decided to give rugby a shot. And uh, to be honest, I, I haven't really looked back. So who, who, was, who was the first person to approach you to come out for rugby down there? Um, it was John Kelly, actually. Um, you might remember Seamus Kelly. Yeah, uh, Seamus. Big USA Eagle. Yeah, his dad was a big, had a big influence on me. He was uh, the freshman football coach. Um, and, you know, he, he kept coming up to me and he, you know, he didn't want me to play baseball. He wanted me to go try rugby and told me to go try scrum math. So, you know, I had a lot of respect for John Kelly. You know, God rest his soul. And, um, so I have a lot. I owe a lot to him and his family. Yeah, I, I think you're not alone there. I know a lot of guys mm-hmm. that come through at school who say the same thing about JK, and obviously his son Seamus. You know, went on and had a spectacular career as well uh, internationally. Yeah. Uh, from there, you don't go far. You just go up the road. I own a college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us about the first time you met Bruce McLean. <laughs> um, I think I was at a. So my senior year, I had never, again, I had never planned on even going to Iona. I applied as a uh, sort of a safety school. And um, I was talking to Bruce out at uh, actually one of my parents' restaurants out in Breezy Point. Yep. Um, Kennedy's. And, uh, hey, give he, it a shout out. Give it a plug, mate. Yeah, What's, you know, so, out. <laughs> um, so I, I was talking to Brucey there and he, you know, he didn't think I was going to go there either. But he had mentioned to me that, you know, you know, they had a great program. He could help me out financially going there. So, you know, I started to get to know Bruce from there and definitely a character for anyone that's met him, um, but a great guy. And God, I, I owe a lot to Brucey too. So, you know, I'm happy I went to Iona. Did he pick up the tab at the restaurant or did he just do the dine and dash on you? Oh, uh, that's a good question. He, you know what? I, I can't even joke about him. Bruce is famous for picking up tabs. So, you know, he probably did. He, honestly, you and I could have our own show of just talking about Bruce McLean, and I think that we'd have a lot of guests. One of the most colourful characters in American rugby, but probably one of my favourite people. He was our coach at NIAC when I was there, but yeah. much beyond that, I think uh, his induction into the New York Athletic Club Hall of Fame was kind of an indication of the people who flew in all over the world to celebrate. Oh, yeah, yeah I was at that too. That was a good time. Yeah, but uh, just, a, just a great guy. So from there, you get into Iona. What year are we in when you started Iona? What year? Oh, geez, what's that, 2017? Fall 2017 would be there. So yeah. the, the meat of your college career, MLR, exists. 2018, you mm-hmm. know, we kick off and we start rolling. At what point during your time at Iona did you start you know, having, having an eye maybe towards Major League Rugby? Um. Probably after my freshman year, I started off my sophomore year and um, 
you know, I, I had known, uh, I'd gotten to meet James Kennedy back then who started out um, rugby New York. And, um, you know, I'd gotten out to some practices just knowing uh, Coach Mike Tolkien at the time. And so I was in and out of that environment, just, you know, getting a peek at it, seeing how I fit in with the guys and what the level was like. And, you know, I guess the more I played at Iona, the more I realized I had a shot at that. And, um, you know, that became the goal by the end of my sophomore year to uh, go play in that league. So talk, talk us through the draft experience. Because mm-hmm. I've heard some stories around it with you <laughs> that there was interest, but you were never going to leave New York. You wanted to be close to family and stay uh, in the New York area, um, and, and teams kind of respected that because you went through the draft. It was only two rounds back then, but mm-hmm. you went through undrafted. But literally, you're the first announced signing. Like the NFL saw, like 30 seconds after the draft finish, Connor Buckley goes to New York. It was like um, worst kept secret in American rugby. <laughs> Did you talk to a lot of the teams? Was there was there any interest from you personally to perhaps entertain going somewhere else? Um, yeah, I think there was. I mean, the plan after my junior year was to just sign with New York, hopefully, and then they announced that the draft was going to be a thing. So, you know, obviously, I had to go through that process, and um, you know, I talked to a few teams, some. People talk to teams on my behalf as well. Um, I, I definitely gave off mixed messages to teams. You know, I think maybe I was interested in going some places, but, you know, for the most part, like my heart's in New York. I, I always wanted to play in New York, so yeah, I probably wasn't very convincing when I talked to teams, you know. <laughs> I wasn't about to lie to them and tell them, yeah, pick me, you know. I, I got a, I got a sneaking suspicion when New York traded both their picks away. I'm like, something, something's afoot here. Uh, but smelling roses, they got uh, got what they want from the trade, and they got the player that they wanted as well. And you, yeah. so you you won. You end up on the roster for five games. So mm-hmm. uh, an introduction, let's just call that to, oh, to yeah. rugby. Yeah. Off season comes around. How's the conversation with the coaching staff at New York, and how is your off season building up to this season? Because the improvement's been very noticeable, but also oh, thank you. the you know your playing time you've been starting consistently you're now you know considered the the number one nine in the roster in terms of the 23 that's selected week in week out how was your off season and what were your conversations like to get you here yeah so uh i mean my first year was you know a new experience for me um obviously i went in with high hopes probably expected to play more than i did but you get a reality check when you go up to the next level you know so um got used to the speed the physicality, um, all that. And, you know, I was around two really class nines and Andy Ellis and Connor McManus. So um, learned a lot from those two, um, you know, but more than anything, I saw where I needed to be. So when the off season rolled around, um, you know, I, I knew exactly what I needed to do rolling into the next preseason. And I think, um, I think I had a pretty good preseason. So that, uh, that helped me out heading into this year. Yeah, a couple of whispers out of the New York camp is is you won the preseason. You were like one of the top performers. This is why you've earned that number one spot there. Uh, go back, talk talk a little bit about Andy. You know, you look at the NFL, a lot of teams will draft a quarterback when they've got a veteran on the roster. Uh, you look at probably the best example, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, right, and the success both those guys had in their career. Mm-hmm. You get to play behind Andy Ellis, probably yeah. widely regarded as – one of the greatest nines uh, to, to ever play the game, at least in the last two decades. How did you go with that relationship initially, first meeting Andy, and then what have you learned from him during your time at New York? 
Yeah, I think initially he's probably came off intimidating. Like, you know, this is world winning Andy Ellis when I first met him. So, you know, I probably waited a little while to start really picking his brain. But, you know, now me and Andy are really close. And to bounce ideas off a guy like him is unreal. Like, I can't stress enough. First of all, what he's done for New York, just culturally, like forget the playing side of it. Like he's really turned around how we do things as a club. Um, and then, you know, you've seen him play. Like there's not much to be said there. This, you know, his play speaks for himself. So, I mean, like I said, to bounce ideas off of him. And I think more than anything, Andy's helped me and Connor McManus with just the mental side of the game. Um, you know, preview, reviewing your game. Um, all that stuff. So, I mean, Andy's been great. Yeah. Outside of your nine crew, you mentioned uh, the other Connor McManus as well and, and Andy. Who do, you, who do you gravitate towards in the team? Who's in, uh, who's in the, the close circle here for Connor Buckley? <laughs> I think uh, you could ask the other guys on the team. Uh, the nines are pretty clicky. It's like the three of us just bounce around being the annoying ones in the facility, messing with everyone else and, you know, yeah, I, it's, Definitely those two. And then outside of it, you know, I gravitate, gravitate towards uh, probably the younger guys on the team, like, I don't know, Troy Lockyer, Andrew Coe, um, Quinn, Quinn Wadi, Joe Basser, Kyler McCorkendale, yeah. all those guys. We have a good time. The TikTok team and the, yeah. the chat snaps and the Snapchats yeah. and the Instabooks and all that stuff. No, I'm just kidding. I That's all good. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah, what, what do you, real quickly on the lighter side, what do you think of Pungo's debut on the sideline this oh, week? He's on the He's born for that, I think. Uh, in the sheds with Pungo, my, my favourite. Uh, I'm glad so New York funny. has thrown him in there with Django as well. Like, couldn't get two better blokes to put a microphone <laughs> and a camera in front of. Oh, they're outrageous. So when, when are you going to make your uh, debut on the show with, with Pungo and Django? Oh, God, I don't know. They haven't come up to me yet. I'm sure it's coming. I hope so. Oh. I hope so. <laughs> All right, let's, let's finish off with, with this season. Uh, New York, how are they going to win it all? How are they going to win it all? It's a good question. Um, just focusing on us, really. You know, we're not worried about the rest of the competition. We're just worried about us. So, you know, we, we know how high our ceiling is. We, we have a great group of players, a lot of depth. Um, you know, so we know what we need to do. It's just about going out every day and being hard on ourselves and pushing ourselves to that standard. All right, best coffee in New York slash New Jersey because you guys are technically in Hoboken. So, best coffee, where do you go? You're going to hate this. I don't drink coffee. A tea? Are you a tea guy? Or? No, neither. I, I'm yet to get like a morning drink like that. Really? I know. It's bizarre. What, what do you do in the morning? I feel so left out too because all these boys drink coffee. It's it crazy. It's kind of a social experience more than it like is. Yeah, um, I might have to start doing it for the for the social side of things. Yeah, just get a glass of water and sit there and enjoy in the chat, mate. Many many of the world's problems have been solved over a cup of coffee. I can promise you that. So that's what I've been you, told. So yeah. if you ever want to get going on it, let me know. I can I can give you some. Yeah, maybe you'll, you'll be my first cup of coffee, all right? There you go. I'll, I'll come that's out it. to New York. We can do I'll it. Wait. Five minutes. <laughs> damn, we'll have a cup of coffee. I love it. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, good luck this weekend. Good game against Old Glory. Hopefully a, a bounce back yeah. game for you and the boys. But only two losses on the year thus far. Looking strong in the top three. So keep that going for New York. And it's been been awesome to watch this year, mate. Really impressed with the way you've been playing. Keep up the work. Keep working hard and good things will come your way. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it.
There you go, Pete. Uh, you know, it's a great story, and it's and we've mentioned this before. It's a story that Major League Rugby seems to be telling more and more now, as it's in its fifth year. You think back five years when MLR kicked off in 2018, how old these college kids were, and they were, you know, seniors in high school, a lot of them, and they were like, "Hang on a second, rugby in college is now going to provide me a pathway to play professional rugby here. This is an option that wasn't here before." So. I think as the years tick on, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, we're going to see more and more Connor Buckley starting to come out of the draft and come into Major League Rugby and contribute early in their careers. Yeah, I mean, I think Connor Buckley is a, a great story and a great example of what Major League Rugby can do. Like you said before, Dan, you know, he'd probably end up playing for some really terrible club like Nyack, um, <gasps> you know, if it wasn't for Major... Is, is that what you suggested? Um, but no, I mean, I think him, him coming in... You know, he, uh, um, you know, gets to work with um, Andy Ellis. He gets to learn from from that. I think Connor Buckley is a player, like you said, came out uh, with um, a very strong rep coming out of college and being able to see him play in MLR. I mean, this is a guy that is going to hopefully play for the Eagles. Um, scrum half is one of those positions that I think – uh, you know, being able to play is going to be really important. And, you know, as someone who started relatively young, um, he's going to be someone that we need to watch. Absolutely. I agree. And um, good to see, you know, he went, he went undrafted, but um, I think it was pretty well known that he didn't want to leave the area. So I think he was on a lot of teams boards, but the, the, the process was he's, he's going to stay in New York. So he stays in New York. All right, mate, let's, uh, let's move on. It's time. Professor's Breakdown, Rugby 101, with the Professor Pete Steinberg. What do you have this week? What, what, uh, what's on your mind? So what's on my mind is, um, you know, rugby is a full contact sport, and well, you'll often hear coaches and commentators say that, you know, whoever wins the contact is going to win the game. So I just want to give a little bit of insight into what that means um, and what fans should look for when they're thinking about winning the contact. And this is one of the interesting things, I think, about Toronto. We talked about Toronto versus New York. Toronto is one of the smallest packs in the league, but they often win the contact. And so they do two things to win the contact. The first is they get their shoulders lower than the opposition. It doesn't matter if you're a tackler or if you're a ball carrier. It's body height. And it's whether whoever has the lowest shoulder is the one that can win. And then the second thing is footwork. So as a defender, what you want to do is you want to have the same foot as your shoulder when you hit. That's the most powerful position. So you're trying to put your body weight through the opposition. That means if I'm lower and if I'm hitting with my same shoulder and same foot, then I'm going to win. That's what you do on defense. But on attack, it's about the footwork to avoid the strong shoulder. And one of the things that Toronto does really well is right before that contact, they move their feet right? They shuffle them. They're very agile. And that makes it really difficult for New York or any of the defenses to get their shoulders onto that contact. So they had, um, they have a lot of offloads. Teams that move their feet um, on a tap don't get that strong shoulder. They're able to drive forward, get past, and they're able to offload. They're able to get faster ball because when you get the ball past the defender, all the defense has to retreat before they can enter the ruck. And so that contact point for many coaches, is the critical thing. And if you watch games like New York and, and Toronto, the first thing I, I, when I was watching is I'm like, wow, Toronto is winning this contact point. 
because New York didn't win the contact point, they couldn't get fast ball because they couldn't get fast ball. They couldn't get into their flow. But every time um, Toronto went forward, they won that contact point when they had the ball, they were able to flow. So that contact point is so critical in how your team plays. Yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, learning point for young players, especially in the pack as well, is to always be working on your footwork. I know sometimes it's seen as a right. outside back kind of thing, and, and, and it definitely is, but that good little footwork you can do, especially in those tight where you, you're one or two off the ruck, a little bit of footwork in there, shimmy in between players, yeah. quick ball. Yeah, like you said, it, it snowballs, right? Quick ball on quick ball creates opportunities. So that's a good one, Pete. That's a good one. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, I mean, to be honest, it's becoming more and more difficult to, to come up with stuff. We've done most of the big stuff. So, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe if there's any fans out there that want to hit, hit us up on the socials for questions that they have for the professor that we can dive deep in, that would be good. And maybe, Dan, one of the things that we should do is maybe have a power breakdown and maybe we talk about, like, roster management. Yeah, or, or we can talk about, like, um, you know, appearance on the field like how to have your socks up <laughs> you said rugby's okay, okay. that's true i can have the optional contact uh, segment where it's like this is how you avoid contact when playing 80 minutes of rugby you know have paul the ck at 12 and you give it to him early and you avoid contact rugby's an easy game rugby is an easy game our group is at see big paulie back too big the ck back for the warriors come off the oh bench. yeah Woo. Big unit, I think. Uh, and Joe, and and Joe for um, for the Giltinis. He's three weeks back, yeah. But I did like they put it up on um, social media. I think it was the Warriors may have put it up or Rugby Network and said, you know, Paul CK is back and Marcel Brucky writes, oh <laughs> yeah, FFS. <laughs> I'm not going to say what that means. Everyone knows he's back. And I feel like uh, Marcel kind of summed up the feelings of a lot of uh, 10, 12s and probably some fullbacks as well. We're going to see that yeah. big unit coming through. And well, let's let's find out. We're going to watch him because guess what's back this week, Pete? Guess what's back this week? Friday night footy. Friday night footy. Go get some fish and chips and get the kids around the telly. Pop a cold one of Diet Coke, not full Cokes. Uh, actually, don't drink Coke at all, kids. Don't no soda. Just have water. You'll thank me in thirty years. It's San Diego at the Warriors. Friday night. It's ten Eastern. It's a late game on the East Coast. Um, but you'll have a chance to put kids to bed, maybe crack a nice bottle of red. Um, both teams wear red. I like Synergy. So Cabs have Merlot. If you're feeling dangerous, um, you know, get a Malbec, which I actually like a Malbec, full-body Malbec. But anyway, all right, Pete, this one's on the Rugby Network. It's a late one. Who do you like here? Um, I actually like the Legion here. They, they're coming off a bye. They're an older team. I think that's important. Like, you know, we spoke to Marnono a couple of uh, um, weeks ago. This is a guy that knows he hasn't yet played his best. I think with that week prep, um, the Warriors, you know, they struggled against the Sabercats, right? I mean, this was a big gut check. I think they've got, they've still got some challenges in their backs. Um, I think the Legion wins this. I think it's going to be close because it's always hard to play at Utah. But if Houston can do it, I think the Legion can do it as well. I think the Legion are going to be dark horses this year in the West. Yeah, they've won ugly so far, which is always a good trait, right? If you can win ugly right. early on and you're getting some rhythm, like you said, older players, they understand the long grind of the season and, and when you want to peak. And Peterson, Robshaw, Nonu, all championship caliber players. So um, 
this could be. I'm just trying to pull up the the Warriors just signed a young scrum half. Um, it's last name going is the grandson Zion going. I believe the grandson of Sid going, famous New Zealand all black. So nine has kind of been an area where they've uh, haven't looked as solid as they have in years past. With especially last year with that combination of Hurst and Basker, Basker and Hurst, depending on what Pittman wanted to do there. So that could uh, add a little bit of spark. Um, to the to the back line. I saw Tao on the wing as well. Not sure how I feel about that. Um, I kind of like him at fullback, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to see how to do. I, I'm leaning with you as well here, San Diego. Even though on the road, I think the buy has hurt teams. I think it'll actually help them just because of their age. Uh, give them a chance to to, to freshen up. Um, and hopefully for San Diego fans, they weren't walking on any bridges that collapsed as well in San Diego. So sorry, Dallas. All right, moving on. Saturday, April 2nd. This one is a big one. ATL coming off uh, a loss to New England will be smarting as they head to Toronto, the first home game in 6,242 days in Toronto. (laughs) That's what it feels like, but we're going home, Toronto. You've finally got rugby back this Saturday. 12 p.m. Eastern. Cannot wait for this one, Pete. No, I think this is going to be a really good one. Uh, I I think you've got to go with Toronto here. I think that they're going to be so excited. I think it'll be close. They'll have to deal with the physicality of ATL. We talked about how Toronto is small. They like to use their footwork to get beyond the tackler, but ATL does double tackles. You can't get footwork to get beyond double tackles. So they're going to have to find ways to get outside that ATL defense. Maybe they'll be healthier. I mean, it was a big win when you're beaten up. So they need to get some of their players back. But I think at home, I mean, I just want to pull for Toronto, even if they're not going to win down. I think you just got to pull for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think ATL will be smarting, though. It didn't, didn't close well in that game against New England. I felt like they had them on the ropes there in that second half. It was a pretty lacklustre performance for Atlanta. So they'll be smarting. And their defensive strategies works well against those smaller, more agile forwards. Like you said, they get two, sometimes three in the tackle. They jam, they choke, and they hold up, and they can slow ball down really well. Uh, should, that should be a good game, actually. Looking forward to that one. That's the early one Saturday. Uh also Saturday, a little later in the day, it's Nola Gold at New England, uh, 4.30, back up in Quincy there. What a huge game. Now, for, for New England, that result on Sunday was brilliant for them because now they leap ahead in the East. New York losing Toronto. You just worried this could be a banana peel game for them, a little complacency. Not saying it's going to happen, but potentially after a, a good win against ATL, New Orleans, they come off a win. They, they looked a lot better than they have in the last few weeks. So they're building as well. What do you think here? Well, I think this is, I don't think it's a must win, but if Nola lose this game and Toronto win, then Nola find themselves maybe like almost 10 points behind mm. um, the fourth place team. Right. And so, you know, I think, I think Nola have been inconsistent. Maybe they're coming into form. Like you said, they did look better. Uh, but I think I have to go with New England. I thought New England's performance away at ATL. Um, they've got some depth there, Dan. They've got players they can bring off the bench. I know that there's some rumors about some that you talked about with some players, you know, potential a big name coming back. Um, they're in they're in a good spot. I think this will be a tough game. I'm going to go with New England. Yeah. I I leaked that out there thinking that the announcement was imminent and it still hasn't been announced yet, has it? So... <laughs> I'm getting. I'm starting to get nervous now that I'm going to be held held accountable for starting rumors. But um, hopefully, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. 
not no more no more i'm gonna get in trouble uh, all right mate sunday we've got a, a big docket on sunday a lot of games this sunday uh, old glory at rugby new york three o'clock on sunday afternoon Old Glory yet to taste victory this year. New York two and two in their last four games, Pete, which is uh, which is going to be interesting to see if they can get again injury has started to creep in there. We've talked about that in their creative positions, but uh, big game for New York to bounce back here and stay in touch uh, with New England on the East. Yeah, I mean this is a big game for New York. I actually chose Old Glory. I picked them on on Super Bowl. I thought that might be against Nola, a chance. They played well. Again, Old Glory just haven't played for 80 minutes, but I can't imagine. I mean, this is going to be a, a big shock if New York lose this one. It's a big game for them to stay in touch. Um, yeah, I, I think this is New York. I think their pack is just a bit too good for Old Glory's pack right now. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I think New York bounced back here in a big way as well. Getting hopefully a little healthier uh, this week, so they should be a little stronger coming into this one. Uh, also, Sunday, moving on, Dallas at LA, 5 p.m. Eastern out there at the Coliseum, this one on the Rugby Network. Jeez, uh, you feel for Dallas, right? Like the big news was that they had an incident down there during their bye week. I think they lost seven players Aaron, seven, nine were involved. Seven are now out because of it. That sound right? Give us a thumbs up. I, I think it's like uh, nine players affected. Uh, two, I think four of them could be available this week. Yeah. But the rest, it's like, you know, don't know. Well, listen, we don't know a lot, Pete, but first and foremost, I'm glad no one's seriously hurt. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think this. Um, it sucks for Dallas. Like it really, they just didn't. Yeah, it. I mean, yeah, and, and and every expansion team down is thin, right? By definition, right? They're still finding out their players. So any player you lose has a bigger impact than maybe some of the more established teams. And Dallas has been very credible this year. Like we've talked about them not winning, but it's not, like like there's only been a couple of times when they really haven't been in the game. Um, and so. You know, it'll be an opportunity, right? It'll be an opportunity for um, for some other players to step up um, and, and get their chance. And we've seen this before. I mean, maybe not exactly like this, but we've seen this where maybe they can find a diamond in the rough, a couple of players that are deep in their bench to step up and actually show that they can play. So opportunity for some of those fringe players. Kind of felt like they were pretty deep into their bench to start the season <laughs> the diamonds. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, there's always... Where, where there's life, there's hope. So, yeah. so having said all of this, I think I'm going to choose the Guiltinis. Yeah, Guiltinis. Uh, good win for them against Seattle. They started to look a lot better. I thought Seattle didn't play terribly bad up there at home, but LA looked like a, a better side as they kind of figure out their way. Rennie IE playing himself into form at 42. How good is that? <laughs> uh, all right, last one is our end. It's going to be our deep preview. Uh, it's Houston. So it's the... the is the Texas Cup still real? There was something that came up where they're like getting rid of the Texas Cup. They're renaming something, uh, and I like spat my you know my chamomile tea all over the thing when I saw it. I'm like, they're robbing the Gilgronies because we're the current Texas Cup holders, and this is this is like some ploy from JT on yet and the Saber Cats because they're dirty. They can't win a Texas Cup to save themselves. I'm filthy if the Texas Cup's gone, but this would be the Texas Cup, right? I think so. I mean, at, at least the OG, like, Texas yeah. Cup, right? So this is and, – and I think this is a really interesting game because you've got two teams 
that might be going in different directions, right? So you've got um, uh, you've got Houston lost two games, have now won their last two games, right? So against Seattle and Utah, two very credible teams, and then you have um, Austin, who started brilliantly, scoring tons of points, and now they've lost two games. They uh, lost to um, Rugby ATL, only scored 14 points, now a great defense, and they lost to New England, only scoring 17 points. That last game, they lost at home. So I think this is a really interesting game to see how where each of these teams are. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm being told that the Texas Cup is still real. It's going to be between Houston and Austin. The Lone Star Championship will be all three teams. Whew. I breathe a sigh of relief. Apologies to JT on yet and his family, who are big fans, and I've dragged him through the mud. Um, I know he's a Houston Astros fan. I just figured because he's an Astros fan, he cheats, but I am wrong. JT, my apologies. I hope Mexico was good to you and the avocado tequila went down well. Uh, well who, what, what do you think in this one? Because like you said, Houston run into form. And I, I think I said a few weeks ago, Houston are the team that in the West Coast could run into form quickly alongside LA because they're so experienced. You've got world-class coaching there understand the race of a long season you know they are the team that i could see really going really you know really deep with a, a strong run on the back end of the season austin what's going on in austin dominguez is he back is he healthy i feel like they need him for this game well i think i think part of it is they've just played probably the two best teams in the east mm, right true. so so part of it is they've just played two very good teams that have very good defenses and shut them down. And so the question is, which Austin turns up? And that's why I think this is much more really a test of Houston than it is for Austin. I think Austin is a good team, right? They've scored more tries than anyone else. Um, they've had more um, offloads, sorry, more clean breaks than anyone else. Um, they're a very good defense. They're 89% of the line out. You know, uh, I just think Austin is a good team. They can score. Um, I think this is more of a test of Houston. And, and what can Houston do? And I think, you know, Houston needs to play a little quicker. We've talked about, um, you know, maybe they've been slowing it down at the base of the rack a little bit and, and trying to play a little bit more too physically. I think that will be a test for Austin's pack. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of it for Austin is about who's available. I'm not sure that they've got the depth in their pack. They lose a couple of those leaders, and I'm not sure they've got people coming back. But I think Austin is a very good team. And so I think this is a test for Houston. I think Austin win this. I think how close it is will tell you how good Houston are. Mm. I don't know with this one. Just don't know how to pick this one. I, I'm going to refrain from making judgment. We're very early in the week <laughs> uh, until I see some rosters. So, but no Dominguez. I just think Houston will win it. it the way Austin plays when they don't have those, you know, those strike runners out there plays well into Houston's strength. So they look like they're getting better and better. And they look uh, So I'm hearing you pick Houston. That's what I'm hearing. You're hearing, yeah. Unless there's a, okay. a roster anomaly that comes out. Well, I that's, think that's true. Again, it's, we're recording this on Monday. Yeah. That should just be an asterisk against all of us, right? Like, like it all depends on the roster. It hasn't been mirroring my kickoff picks, if I'm being honest. I've, I've made yeah. significant change. Unfortunately for me, sometimes – for the worst. I, yeah. <laughs> I picked a team on the show and then changed my pick on Subaru and the team on the show one. So I like, I sound smart here, but unfortunately on paper. We, you must not be doing very well in Subaru because we haven't been talking about the standings. Well, you, haven't so checked, every, 
I've literally, been, I'm pulling it up now. I've done it. Okay, out. cut it up. Uh, maybe a little sympathy, but I am currently sitting in sixth place out of sixty. Um, I'm actually beating Scary Larry, so suck that, Larry. Uh, <laughs> why you you and your silly statistics. Uh, like, what lot, is it? He's, he's going to turn it on now. He's going to go full Rain Man and not get a pick wrong for the rest of the year and beat me. But the nearest thing on our show is is Stats Boy at 27th, okay. and then. Oh, I'm cramping in my thumb. Oh, I'm scrolling so much. 48. Yes. 48. That, yeah, well, there was one weekend where I forgot to pick. It doesn't so. destroyed this weekend. It was not Man. fun. So what I like is that Stats Boy got destroyed this weekend and is, what, in middle of the pack. I didn't get destroyed. I went in, like, I think I went two and three. Um, you know, I was pulling for that DC. I'm like, I need to start, like, for me to get back up, I, I need to start getting some of these yeah, wild yeah. card. But as soon as you do that, you just sink further down, right? So you needed, a, you needed to pick Toronto, not DC. That was the big one on the weekend. I don't think there yeah. was a lot of people who picked Toronto. Yeah. Um, the other one that kills me is the points difference, like the, yeah. the win pick, match pick, and then the, the bonus. I never get those. I pick the winner, but I never get within the points difference. Yeah. And uh, it's starting to ruin the way I watch some of the games. Like I had, I had New York by thirteen over Toronto, and they're up by three at the, in the seventy odd minute. I'm like, "Come on, Sam, kick a penalty here, get a penalty, <laughs> and then score a try to death, up by thirteen, and then in, I just lose my mind." Isn't that isn't that like like one of the one of the things people say about the NFL? Right, one of the things people say about the NFL is that one of the reasons why it is um, so popular is because it, it's the gambling, right? It gets you engaged in the game for the whole game. Yeah, fantasy um, betting. I'm, yeah. I'm the same way. I, I play fantasy football every year and I will not – I very rarely feel like I support teams now. I support players on my fantasy team. So yeah, that's kind of – That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. All right, bud, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? Um, what am I looking forward to most this weekend? That's a that's a good question. Um, what do you say? Rugby related. Oh, I'm looking forward to the Austin Houston game. I mean, I think I think that's a, that's a good game. I I, I want to see the enthusiasm of Toronto. It'd be really interesting to see what their turnout is like. I know it's still pretty early. Um, it could be the weather could be a little bit all over the place, right? I mean, this is probably as early as you can play in Toronto. You looking it up now? I look at now. Keep feeling, Phil. Phil. So, Phil. Phil. So, so I think I think Toronto at home is uh, is is good. I want to give a shout out um, to all the all the talent that's working. There's a lot of uh, um, really uh, really good up and coming color commentators, Dan. That, that's coming through, um, and so really, I, I lots of good calls this weekend. Lots lots of good good calls. So I'm always always interesting. I'm not. I my my next game isn't next weekend, but the, or the next trip isn't next weekend, but the weekend after where I'm in Austin and I've got a couple of games. Oh, Heine on the sideline. Oh, Heine. Yes. He, uh, he, he, uh, yeah, he uh, he he uh, warmed up. Right, he was a little little slow at the start, that then became really good. Um, I don't think he actually warmed up in the game because there was snow in that New York game. So yeah, it's chilly. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty miserable. New York uh, Sunday morning, so, and it was it was chilly. So yeah. I told I told uh, I had a quick chat to Pungo when he was doing the game. I uh, reached out to best luck. I said, "Mate, two most important things: be yourself and bring energy. Big energy yeah. be yourself." And uh, it's great to see that. Great to see 
And we're going to have to do more of that, getting like uh, whether it be current players or, or now we're going to have a batch of retired players starting to come through. Yeah, it's going to be great. Stuff. So, yeah, yeah, good good shout-out, Pete. God, you're a good man, team player. I'm looking forward to this Toronto one. I'll tick that. But Friday night footy, I, I, nothing makes me happier than ending a work week. I mean, uh, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. It's 10 p.m. Eastern, so there's no kids staying up on the East Coast. My time, it's 8 o'clock. Nine o'clock your time. Kids are in bed by nine or, or getting to bed. Or on a Friday, they're, if they're not down, they're getting close. Yeah. So they're a little older than your kids, though. They, I give them a little bit more leash. Yeah, yeah. But at eight o'clock my my time. Kids are in bed. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to sit down. Um, Yvonne's gonna roll her eyes and then like you know check out social media. I'm sure while we while we chat during the game. I may not be able to stay up till ten. I may not be able to stay up till till ten. I'm. I'm off to the UK today. I'm back Thursday, so I'm going to, probably going to be a little bit exhausted by the time we get to uh, um, good. Friday. Good. Friday night. Bottle of wine. We'll, we'll start the text chain, and we can do wine right. Friday night. Love that it. Sounds good. Everyone sounds knows good. what we're We'll give it a rating. Our uh, what's the point system? That gets me every time when I go to a, a liquor store. I'm like, well, 89, 89 out of 100, 95 out of 100. Yeah, yeah. All right, we've, we've turned into a wine tasting show. What are we doing? Let's wrap it up. Another great show in the books. For the Professor, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Casher, Ryan Ginty, our entire team at MLR Kickoff. I'm Dan Power, and we'll catch you next time.